chapter 8, we've been discovering together and unpacking all the truth that the Lord gives us here in relationship to his desire to secure our hearts, to assure our hearts, to encourage our hearts that we are in Christ Jesus. We have found it amazing together the extent that the Lord goes to just in this chapter, regardless of the other chapters in this book, just in this chapter what the Lord's done to settle our hearts as children that we are his, and he is ours. I hope that when you look at Romans chapter 8 in the future, that you look at it uh, afresh and anew in relationship to assuring your hearts in the security that God has given us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was told a long time ago by a seminary professor of mine, as we were discussing the will of the Lord for my life, he said, Tim, never forget, the greatest place in the world is to be in the will of God. The greatest place in the world to be in the will of God. I'm assuming that you all believe that here this morning. Um, and I want to encourage your heart, as we began last week, that the, the will of God is not an esoteric, mystical will. It's a will that God would intend for us to know and we're going to discover how the Spirit of God helps us know that will. If you have a desire to know the will of God, what the Apostle Paul is saying in these two verses, this is just another way that God assures your heart that you're a child of God. People that are not children of God do not desire to know God's will. That's a simple axiom of Scripture. But if you are a child of God, you will desire to know and to do his will. When Paul writes to the Roman believers, he's writing to a group of people, as we've stated numerous times, that are desiring to know the will. This is a church where there's not one criticism leveled against them and all of these words of Paul to them. Uh, these are people that are striving to know and to do God's will. And the Apostle Paul saying, well, if you do that, you're a child. And by the way, uh, to give you even more encouragement, I'm going to throw uh, at you some truth here in relationship to God the Spirit's omnipotent and omniscient desire to help you know and do it as well. Um, when I was growing up in, in my home, my dad was uh, very much an authority figure in our home. And if he had a will for us... Uh, he was going to do everything in his power to make sure that his will was done in the house. There was lots of different ways that he motivated us to make sure his will was done. Um, for some of you, you might feel like you need to turn my dad into family services after this illustration, but you can go, he's with the Lord anyway, so go ahead and do what you want to do. They can go hunting for him, they'll look a long time. When I was a kid, one way that he uh, negatively but in a positive way, uh, made sure that his will was done in our home. And uh, Every year, at the springtime of the year, he would have us go out and cut switches off the apple trees that were next to our house. And these switches would be used to on our rear ends if we did not follow through with his will. And you would say, oh, in our day and age, right? Abuse, abuse. It's like, whatever, right? Spare the rod, spoil the child, right? That's a general truth. <laughs> From Proverbs, we learned in Sunday school. Not one we learned in Sunday school, but it's true. Um, uh, that was always a sobering incentive 
to make sure that we knew and we did by dad's will. Um, it was somewhat of a negative thing. And I always wondered how my dad could always say when he disciplined us, when we did not follow through doing his will, that he actually was disciplining us because he loved us. That was always kind of an oxymoron to me. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I am thankful for his sound judgment and discipline in my life to follow through and do his will. You know, the Lord does tell us in Hebrews 12 that, that when we fall out of fellowship with God and we cease doing his will, that he loves us and he shows us that love because he chastens us, right? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But we have to understand this is not what's going on in, in Rome at this time. These people are fully engaged. They're fully desiring to know God's will and to do it. And uh, again, just because of that mere desire, Paul says, your children, and I'm going to let you know how we are, as a Godhead, going to assist you in knowing and doing that will. Last week, we learned two of three points in relationship to these two verses of how the Spirit of God loves to help us know and do the will of God. We talked about the nature of the way he does this. We talked about how he nurtures us, the nature and nurture. And then we uh, finished a little early because of the baptisms last Sunday morning. And I told you we'd leave this third portion for today. And it's the necessary means. What are the necessary means that the Spirit of God uses to help us know and to do God's will. So let's discover these together here. Let's read um, here in Romans chapter 8 and the middle part of verse 26 and then on into verse 27. Well, let's just start back up with verse 26. Well, the nature was found in that phrase, in the same way, the spirit. The nurture was found and the reality that he also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. And the necessary means is given here in the second half of verse 26 into verse 27. He says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, God, who searches the hearts, our hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he, the Spirit, intercedes for us, the saints, according to the will of God. And as far as I understand, whether you're reading from the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the ESV, or the New American Standard, I believe that last phrase is all according to the will of God. But in the original language, it just basically says he intercedes for the saints according to God. So the assumption is here is according to the mind and heart and the will of God. And as we said last week, the mind and the heart and the will of God for us is given to us in his word. I'm reminded of 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3, where by we have a new nature, we're able to comprehend this book, and this book has information for us, and that information is applicable to all matters of life and godliness. God's will has been inspired and preserved for us uh, in his word. And we're going to find out again the necessary means that the spirit of God gives us to know it and to understand it. There's two phrases used here that are similar. One in verse 26 and one in verse 27. It says, but the spirit himself intercedes, verse 26, and in verse 27, because he 
intercedes the Spirit of God for the saints. It's used twice in a short passage to emphasize for us that the Spirit of God of his own volition does something for us to underpin our desire to know and to do his will. Some would wonder if you're newer in the Lord, you've been saved just for a few weeks or months, what is intercession? What does it mean to intercede? Big word. It just simply means this. It's communicating through prayer on the behalf of somebody else. So if one of you shared a health issue with me this morning and I, you asked me to pray for you, I would go before the Lord and I would say, pray for so and so, I pray for so and so, Lord, that they would be healed. I would be interceding. I would be praying for you on your behalf. Well, the Spirit of God's doing that for us here in relationship to knowing and doing God's will, His Word. So it would be appropriate for us today to realize that an initial aspect of understanding the will of God in our lives is prayer. Is prayer. Cross-reference right next to verse 25 and 26, Romans 8, 15 and 16. We already have known and realized earlier in the chapter that uh, our hearts can be assured that we are children of God just by crying out, Abba, Father. <laughs> Unique, extreme times. Uh, God has given us the, the, the venue, if you will, of prayer to solace our hearts. But in specific relationship to the text at hand last week and this morning, we may go before the Father seeking to understand his word so that we can do his will. And the Spirit of God is also interceding on our behalf so that we would know and do the same. So before we move forward, it would be good for us to remind, be reminded about uh, what one theologian has called inter-Trinitarian communication, right? We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you, they're all persons, and they all really love to communicate with each other. In eternity past, the Bible tells us that their communication is constant, it's always holy and pure, and it's always intentional, and they have grand fellowship among each other. Would you agree? This is one aspect of inter-Trinitarian communication. The Spirit of God loves to intercede on our behalf so that we would know and do the will of God. I don't think we can underestimate the personal aspect of that because the Godhead are persons. This is a very personal matter for them. And since the intercession is for the saints, their inter-Trinitarian communication is to be very personally intentional for you, that you would actually understand the Bible so that you could do it. We'll cover this a little bit more extensively as we go on this morning. So if you've been a Christian and properly in the Word of God for some time, you've probably been taught about the intercession of Christ also. And how we learn about the intercession of the Holy Spirit in this text. The intercession of Christ. Did you know that Jesus loves to pray for you too? Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. The author of Hebrews simply says, Therefore, he is always able to save those who approach God through him since he lives forever to make intercession for them. Why does Jesus intercede for us? 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, 
My little children, I'm writing to you that you may not commit sin, but if anyone does sin, he may have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That text says we have a righteous advocate, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So the crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, interceding man of God, Jesus Christ, is before the throne of God, and he's pleading your sinlessness, your righteousness in him before his Father. So Jesus Christ is always praying before the Father, communicating personally with the Father that you personally are in him and he is in you. And that is a constant intercession from what we know about the grammar of the New Testament. It's happening incessantly all the time, 24-7, 365. It never stops. What we understand from this text is the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing all the time, only in respect to you knowing and understanding his word so that you can do as well. That's exciting for me. So even when you're not in the environment of prayer, asking to know and to understand God's will, the Spirit of God is always doing that for you. Now, the assumption is, as we've already said earlier in the text, is is that we love to pray, and we're always going to ask an understanding from God, the Spirit, to understand His Word, His will, so that we can do it. Uh, But nonetheless, when we're not doing that, the Spirit of God is. So I find it very interesting for us here that the Son intercedes His righteousness in us. That's positional truth. That's never going to change. But the Spirit of God is constantly interceding for us, and that's practical truth. That's how we live. And He's doing this, remember, to reassure our hearts, to encourage our hearts that we can know and to do his will, because we are already children. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. How do we know that the Spirit of God is successful in his intercessions? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, which is a good little text to write in the cross-reference of your Bible, next to these two verses this morning, tells us that it takes spiritual discernment for God's children to even understand the word of God. Right? Remember, the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they're foolishness to him. The sarkikos man, that's the Greek word for flesh, the natural man. Right? But the pneumatikos man, the man who is governed by the spirit, is able, with the spirit's help, to understand the word of God and to do the will of God. J.I. Packer, in relationship to these two verses, has this to say. The knowledge of the divine things to which Christians are called is more than a formal acquaintance with biblical words and Christian ideas. It is a realizing of the reality and the relevance of those activities of the triune God to which Scripture testifies. Such awareness is natural to none. Familiar with Christian ideas though they may be. Only the Spirit, only the Holy Spirit, searcher of the deep things of God, 
can bring about this realization in our sin-darkened minds and hearts. That is why it is called a spiritual understanding. Those who, along with sound verbal instruction, have an anointing from the Holy One to know and to do truth. Not just an anointing, but an intercessional help from Him as well. The new birth brought about by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit when we are saved allows the Holy Spirit to begin to help our now hearts and minds alive in Christ Jesus to understand and apply God's word. This is what we call in Bible classes the doctrine of illumination for some of you older Christians that have been saved for a while. Illumination is just simply understanding the will of God in his word, but now we realize that, that this understanding uh, is a result of the fruit of prayer, not just our prayer, but the intercessional prayer of the Holy Spirit on our behalf. Illumination is just really taking the truth of Scripture and not helping us just merely understand it. It's taking the truth of Scripture and the Holy Spirit's praying that we personally understand its significance to our own lives today. That's illumination. It's not just an intellectual understanding. There's nothing in this book that God just wants us to merely intellectually understand. Because this is truth that pertains to all matters of life and godliness. So the Holy Spirit is saying, Lord, I really pray. I really pray. I really pray that Tim Potter gets this today. And I'm going to help him. I'm going to help him get it. Because he needs this truth because he's got something coming up here in three hours that he may not even know yet. And he's got to know this in preparation for that. Has that ever happened to you? In the course of a day, you're just reading your Bible, you understand a truth, God brings its significance to you for that moment, but then hours later you find out, oh wow, now I know why I understood and read that this morning. Has anyone ever had that? Right. It happens regularly, doesn't it? That's just one aspect among many benefits of the Spirit's intercession for us to be sure. Go with me to John 14 and verse 26. The Lord Jesus Christ is announcing the coming of the Spirit of God at his departure. And uh, really chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, there's a great text of scripture where the Lord Jesus Christ is assuring his fearful disciples of the help that's going to come their way. John 14 and verse 26. But the Helper, it's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking of the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit of God is very much interested in the Word of God. Not just the Logos of God, but the written Word and will of God as well. And now we're finding out how he throws his omnipotent and omniscient self behind our understanding of it. Certainly illumination that we've already considered does help us understand the simple things of the word, but it also, but it is also necessary for us to understand the more difficult things of the word of God as well. Um, does the Bible always make complete and total sense to us when we read it? And the answer is no. For those of us that have been believers for a long time and we've been well shepherded, 
we've grown from milk maybe to some meat, and God the Spirit helps us understand the truth of the Scripture. But there's people that have been saved in here for over 70 years, and there's some people that have been saved here for less than seven weeks. And everything in between, there's going to be various levels of abilities to understand based on spiritual maturity, but you all need to know that God the Spirit will assist you and is assisting you in gradually knowing more and more the will of God as it's revealed in the Word of God. I find it very interesting here, as we continue on identifying the necessary means, certainly the necessary means includes the intercession of the Spirit. But notice the text says he intercedes what? For us. Pretty powerful two words in my estimation in this text. He intercedes for us. The Lord knows our heart. He knew the hearts, again, of the saints of the Roman church. These folks are striving to know and to do God's will. So Paul teaches, to, teaches us to encourage that the Holy Spirit already knows what you are striving with. And he is sympathetic to the times in our lives when we struggle with God's will in particular areas and situations. But remember, he is for you when it comes to understanding and doing his will found in his word. At times we may feel paralyzed in decision-making while we are walking with him. It happens to me regularly. <laughs> because we struggle understanding maybe a part of the word of God that pertains to our situation. And we're not sure that we can step out in faith and make a decision. At that moment, we need to be reassured that there is an answer. And it can be found in his word. We're going to find out the very layers in which the spirit of God's prayers are answered on our behalf when we seek to know and to do God's will in just a little bit here. But always remember, he is for you. The struggle to comprehend and to know God's will in any matter will be cared for by the Spirit of God in time. And how does he do that? Write these things down because I want you to encourage, to encourage you that this is just a, a sampling of objective ways that the Spirit of God's intercession on your behalf in relationship to knowing and doing his word are answered. He'll do that through your own study. He'll do that through your own thought processes that you're... Um, going through the course of a day from your study. Sometimes you'll do it, what I'm saying is right when you're studying God's word. Sometimes it'll be that aha moment later in the day after you've studied God's word. Sometimes you're going to be discovering the significance of a text for your life as you work with your discipler. Or you work with your disciple, someone that you're spiritually mentoring. God can... We can see answers to the Spirit's intercession in that environment. We can, we can have answers to the Spirit's intercession for us on, on our behalf, even in the context of a sermon. Would you agree? So God does that sometimes. How many times have you felt like when you sat in, 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 under a sermon, you thought the preacher was preaching right at you? Has anyone ever felt like that? It's like, Pastor Tim been in my house all week long. How does he know? Right? That's an answer to the Spirit's intercession for you. He'll do it in a Bible classroom. Sometimes you might even have an experience of the Spirit's answer to prayer in your life listening to an online sermon or a, a, a particular podcast or, or, or 
um, whatever you do in the digital word to, the world to get fed the word of God. The spirit of God, you'll even see him answer his prayers answered in those venues. He is for you. He is for us. And I find it beautiful here that Paul doesn't use the word you. He says us. So what's he saying there? It's not just, I need this. And with apostolic authority behind it, I need help. The Spirit of God is helping us. So it's a great reminder for those of us, no matter what spiritual age we are in the Lord, that this is a necessary matter for us to understand. Let's move on here to another necessary means. It says here he does this with groanings too deep for words. Remember, as we said a couple weeks ago, or last week, that this word groaning is only used three times in the book of Romans. All three are used right here in this immediate context that we've been studying, the verses before 26 and 27. I believe it's only used six times in the whole New Testament. One of those times that helps us understand really what it means is in Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is preaching, uh, he's highlighting in that sermon in the day of his stoning. <laughs> he's recounting in that sermon God's groaning and Israel's groaning to be released from Egypt. They want to see God's hand work on their behalf. The same idea is here. We found out that creation groans, wanting to be released from the effects of sin. We groan, wanting to be released from the same and to understand what it means to have that glorified body. And creation awaits the return of God's children right? and their glorified bodies. They, they wait with great anticipation we studied together. Well, here the Spirit of God groans for us to have a release of sorts, if you will. He's assuming we're mulling these aspects of God's word over in our hearts. The Spirit of God's interceding, and he wants us to have the release of an answer. Many of us have known what it's like to have that guttural, visceral feel when we're taking a test in our education process. And we've studied something, and we've studied something, and we've memorized something, and we get to the test, right? We look at the question, and we get there, and all of a sudden we're paralyzed, right? We just forgot the answer. And there's this visceral, ah, I know this, right? I got this. Eh. But it's different with the understanding of God's word. There may be times where we're wanting to learn, we're wanting to know, and, and God the Spirit is groaning that we'll know. But we have to understand it's an omnipotent, omniscient groaning. It's not that you just want to know, it's you will. You will. Uh, and we're going to cover that here as we move on uh, this morning. The spirit groans. Have you ever made a promise to somebody that you had every intention of keeping and then unintentionally forgot? A promise that you've told somebody you will do this and then you unintentionally forgot. Do you remember the feeling in your heart when you realized that you forgot? Right? Could you imagine the feeling in the heart of the one that you've offended? <laughs> you let me down. Right? Well, that's inevitable. I think in our fallenness, we're going to let people down with promises we made, even though it be unintentionally, unwittingly. 
But think about this in relationship to the Spirit of God interceding for us with groaning so that we know and do as well. He makes a promise to us, but omniscience and omnipotence is making the promise. He will not let you down. This should give us great excitement to be in the Word, to study it, to dig out its truth, because God the Spirit will bring the significance of that text to our lives personally. It's for us. That's a tremendous encouragement and incentive for us to, to be and to study the Word of God. He continues on here with other necessary means in assisting us in this regard. He says, And he who searches the hearts of us knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So now obviously we've got a, uh, the Father, God the Father involved here, who also omnisciently knows our hearts. And the Spirit of God is interceding before Him who also has the same attributes of the Father. So you would say, Pastor Tim, so why is this even necessary? If God the Spirit knows what I'm struggling with regarding understanding and doing as well. And he goes to the Father. Why would he go to the Father if the Father already omnisciently knows our hearts? This is all kind of, kind of, a, kind of a waste of time, isn't it? I would be, you're right, we're going to be careful with that because I don't think God does anything, right? In the economic trinity that's not very economical. Right? Remember, this is, God's will being developed in you. God the Spirit and God the Father are completely okay with themselves. They're omnisciently and omnipotently very fine with themselves. But it is their desire, since God knows your heart, and the Spirit of God's trying to minister the Word of God to your heart, I'm very grateful that they're communicating with each other, desiring that God's will be done in my life through His Word. And I'm glad that their assistance is there because certainly uh, we, would, we would be lost without it, wouldn't we? One author said this in relationship to this phrase. He said, he is pointing up the truth in order to give encouragement to the believers because the three persons of the Godhead have always been one in essence and will the very idea of communication among them seems superfluous to us. It is a great mystery to our finite minds, but it is a divine reality that God expects his children to acknowledge by faith and enjoy. And enjoy. So again, this is a thorough, omnipotent, omniscient, and ongoing process in the reality of the believer, and what a glorious one it is. But it's all towards a goal, isn't it? As we wrap up this morning, it's all towards a goal. It says here in the text that we've already read, as you go back to Romans chapter 8, because he intercedes for the saints, what? According to God or according to the will of God. I think of James chapter 1, if we ask wisdom, right? God gives it. What's wisdom? Wisdom is just the Bible with hands and feet. Help me understand your words so I can do your will. I think about, you know, what's my will in relationship to evangelism? I think of Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Paul says, in the environment of prayer, right, God works to open up doors for evangelism, whether it's a little boy in the neighborhood or whatever the situation may be. And then he gives you a very clear outline 
for us in verses 5 and 6 of Colossians chapter 4, exactly what you need to speak and how you need to be prepared to speak and even what you need to say in those evangelistic opportunities. Multiple texts we can go through in the scriptures that tell us what God's will is so that we can do it. But hang on, because there's a tougher part that we need to understand as well. I believe the Bible has told us that God has decreed some things to happen in eternity past. We've discussed those together. He's decreed to create. He decreed to permit the fall of man. He decreed to redeem man back to himself. He's decreed the coming eternal state. There's some things that God's decreed that he can't help himself but follow through with. That's certainly his sovereign will. We know that there are specific things in the Bible that are called his will. It's the will of God that men be saved. We know that, right? 2 Peter 3.9. It's the will of God that men be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. So there's his sovereign will, what he's decreed. There's his specific will, what he's called his will. 1 Peter chapter 2 and 3, it's his will that we suffer for his name's sake. Those are, those are specifically things that are called his will. But then there's this stated will all over Scripture. Think about the broad command in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, right? Be holy, for I am holy. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, we just go to Paul's sin lists, right? Colossians 3. Galatians 5. 1 Corinthians 6. What do I do? What shouldn't I do? It's all stated right there, very, very clearly. And not just that, there's uh, principial truth. And the principles in Scripture are just as authoritative as the demands and the commands in Scripture. Would you agree? It's all God's Word. Then there's the principles of God's Word to, to help us know and do His will. And as you grow in time, you will increasingly know His Word and increasingly do His will. And that should be a great encouragement to you that statement for this reason as we wrap up. Are you ready? Sometimes when you're excited as a new believer to do God's will, you want to do all of it now. So you really want to understand a lot now. And that's not how God's engineered it. Right? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word so that they might grow. It's a process, isn't it? Always know this, that where you're at in your specific time of life spiritually, God the Spirit is very capable of bringing about his will in your life through his own intercessions for you knowing enough of the word to satisfy your soul in the present and to grow it a little bit more for the future. Remember, it's for us today. Right? He's not going to give you anything less or anything more than what you can handle today in your knowing and doing of God's will and his omnipotent support behind it. You say, okay, Pastor Tim, what happens when you're stuck in a situation you really don't know how or what to pray? That's what the text says. I remember on the way down to Rhonda's graduation, I've told you numerous times, Rhonda's mom was killed on the way to her graduation by a drunk driver. Okay? In that moment, I don't know how to pray. But I want to remind you of something. Typically, when we look at Romans 8, 26, and 27, we take those two verses and we specifically apply them to that kind of extreme situation only. And that's not what this text is saying. All of us are enjoying 
answers to the Spirit's intercessions for us in relationship to knowing and doing His will all the time. The extreme, really, if you look at the grammar, remember back to verses 15 and 16, when we cry out, Abba, Father, that's an extreme time. But here is just knowing and doing God's will. So in that extreme time, where does it fit here? Whether it's a terminal illness diagnosis or the tragic death of a loved one or maybe a friend of yours that was shot in Las Vegas last week. Whatever the devastating tragedy is, certainly it passively applies here, but that's not the primary application of this text. And I fear that we'll go on thinking that's the primary application of the text and really misunderstand and so miss out on what it really means for the Holy Spirit to help us know and do God's will. No matter who you are, what age you are, man, woman, child, what spiritual age you are, the Spirit of God wants you to know and do God's will through his word. But we can also be comforted to know that even in those extreme times, the Spirit of God intercedes for us. But in that moment, what's he doing? Hang on with me here. We're going to close. What's he doing? He's not interceding with you with groanings you can't utter in, the, in, in just psychological, emotional words you can't come up with. Even in that extreme time when I can't pray and Rhonda can't pray, or your soul's devastated because of your situation, the Spirit of God's intercession, even at that time, is doing what? Oh God, help them to know your word. and Help them to do it. Certainly, Lord, this is their bread of life. The only way they're going to make it through this tragedy is if they cling to your word, to know it, and to do it. At the death of Rhonda's mom, let's turn to 1 Peter 4. I'm going to give you a text that whenever I go to funerals and I sign in and the guest register, I put this text every time I sign in. And instead of putting my home address, I just put this address. And this was the text the Lord gave me when we were told that Rhonda's mom's life had been taken by an off-duty military personnel who was bar hopping on a particular weekend in May. You know, what justice is in that, right? right. Guy's bar stamps all up and down his arms because that's what the law is in Kentucky. Every time you go to a bar, you got to get a stamp that you were there. Bar stamps up and down both arms, right? Christian lady going to her Christian daughter's graduation. Where's the justice in all this, right? Well, hang on. The, inter- the spirit of God's interceding with groanings you can't utter with this particular purpose. Look at verse 19. Therefore... Those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in what? Continuing to do what's right. Even in that moment of extreme, which this passage does not primarily apply, even in that moment though, what do I do? I do know what to do in part. I do know what the explicit will of God is. I understand God's sovereign decrees. I understand his stated will. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk in what at least I know to be true that day, understanding 
that I'm going to know more tomorrow than I know today. Understanding a week from now, I'm going to know more than I know today. And the Spirit of God will always answer his prayers. God will always make sure that we're coming more and more familiar with knowing his word and how to do his will. All right? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this very brief look into this text in relationship to being encouraged, being assured that we are your children by how we see our understanding of your word and ways to live it brought about in our lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I pray that these couple weeks have been a tremendous encouragement for you folks, family members of Grace Church, um, those of you that know Jesus, if you've heard these sermons, to get back into and stay in the Word consistently, okay? It should excite our hearts to know that the Spirit of God so wants to answer His intercessions. God wants to answer the prayers of the Holy Spirit. He knows. He omnisciently knows. He gets it. He gets it. Let's entrust ourselves to Him and continue to do good, continue to get in that Word. Dads, your children need this. Husbands, your wives so desperately need you to grow in this way. Reciprocal, wives with husbands. This church needs to be full continually of people, as it is now, only increasingly so, excelling more and more in knowing God's word so that we can live it in our daily lives. As your heads are bowed, I want to conclude with this particular statement from a godly man. He said, if it were not for the sustaining power of the Spirit within us and Christ's continual mediation for us as our high priest, our remaining humanness would have immediately engulfed us and again in sin the moment after we were justified. If for an instant Christ and the Holy Spirit were to stop their sustaining intercession for us, we would in that instant fall back into our own sinful, damnable state of separation from God. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But that's not how God's organically worked it out. When you're born again, Christ's pleading is incessant, and the Spirit of God's pleading is the same that you might know and do His will. So, let's continue to study the Word together, personally, on our own, Together, disciple or disciplee, worship services, classes, let's keep growing in the word. Father in heaven, thank you for this understanding and help. We thank you for the promises here for us as your children in Christ's name. Amen.